ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into the Video Game Lounge podcast. Podcast not here for notes and news, but to talk games and drink brews. I'm your host this episode, John, and I'm joined by one of the two men you know and love. He is the liquid snake to my solidus snake. It's Andrew. How you doing tonight, bro? Why does that sound like diarrhea? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than I was, but I'm doing okay. It's uh, things are starting to kind of look better. It doesn't have to sound like diarrhea. They're they're characters in a game. You always <laughs> you always pick the Metal Gear Solid ones. <laughs> Not always, but you know, Metal Gear may be part of our topic in a little bit. But uh, nice, nice ASMR for everybody I there. That's yeah, good. I, I was That's hoping good. it wasn't too loud. No, it's all good. It's all good. How are you, man? It's good to see you. Good to have you back in the lounge. Thank you. It's good to be back. You've been doing very well, holding down the fort, doing th- good, doing doing good things, doing good things. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. It's it's been fun. Uh, got more stuff planned, and uh, you listeners just stay tuned. So, be a busy month of October coming up. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have a good episode for you tonight. We are going to be talking about our Mount. Rushmore of video games. And you've heard me mention this on the show, but I've never quite defined it. But I'm going to put a pin in that because we will define it in a little bit. First, we're going to get into our bits here. You know them, you love them. The first one is what you're drinking. So, Mr. Andrew, what you drinking tonight, man? I am drinking Simply Spiked. Mm. Simply Lemonade that is spiked with not only 5% juice, but 5% alcohol. What alcohol? It doesn't say. It just says in the contents, alcohol. I'm guessing vodka. I'm hoping tequila, but I'm guessing vodka. It's just alcohol. Very it might yummy. be rubbing alcohol. <laughs> it it does the trick, so it's all that matters. Yeah. I saw a strawberry on the front of that can. You might be drinking like strawberry pledge and lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> well, it came in a four pack. And I already downed all of the regular lemonades. And the watermelon ones taste like watermelon Jolly Ranchers. So now I have one strawberry and one blueberry left. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. So, but it's very tasty and very dangerous because it's not it's it's not too sweet and it's not too tart that some lemonades have, and it just it goes down smooth, and you just you just keep going. Keep gotcha. Going. What's the uh, what's the ABV on that? Five. Five. That's not bad. It's 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 not heavy, but you know, with the taste of it being so smooth, you're just gonna keep drinking them and it'll sneak up on you. <laughs> it'll sneak up on you sneaky sneaky that's sneaky sneaky nice nice um as for me i'm going back to a tried and true for me um i've been mentioning flying dog they might be my favorite brewery here in maryland uh because i've been drinking a lot of their beer but a few episodes back i mentioned this one this is um flying dogs uh, powerhouse it's their imperial pilsner it's an eight percent abv um I freaking love it. 8%. It's doing its work. Um, it's, I, I'm, I don't know. I kind of like the Pilsners. Um, 
they just got it's got a good flavor and I'm kind of digging it. So I've gone back to the well now for a second time. And uh, I don't know. I can't complain, man. Does hey, the trick. I mean, if you like it, that's all that matters. Yeah, man. So, yeah, Flying Dog. Check them out if you are ever in the Maryland area. I know you can also get it in a few of the surrounding states. I know it's available in Pennsylvania and also Virginia. Um, might even be in West Virginia as well. But, yeah, Flying Dog is the largest brewery in Maryland, and they really have some great stuff. Uh, I'd highly encourage anybody who's interested in some of the beers I've mentioned um, to go check out their stuff and their artwork and logos are absolutely hysterical. You need to oh, it's good stuff. Out. Yeah. They're yeah, he's, really, he's not really just good. gassing them off. They, they're, they're no. legit good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag not a sponsor. Come on flying dog. Yet. <laughs> so right on. All right. That'll do it for the, what you drinking. Now our second bit, as you all know and love is what you're playing. You just got pulled, pulled. So, Mr. Andrew, it's been a while since uh, since you've been on the show. So, what have you been filling your time with over the last few episodes and weeks? Well, it's not as much been video games, unfortunately, just because um, if I haven't announced it yet, we're pregnant. And we've been doing a lot of different getting things ready around the house and... Uh, going to do, go into appointments and this and that but we've also had other issues with the house we had bees in the attic that we had to call Ooh. the exterminators out twice for um and uh my cat got really sick my favorite cat i i will say i have a favorite cat and my favorite cat actually passed away this past week and Ooh. i am emotionally trying to bounce back from all of all of this it's been a roller coaster of stuff so that's why like i'm finally i'm, I'm starting to get better and starting to feel better feeling a little more like myself day by day which has allowed me to actually try to play some genshin impact awesome <laughs> um was it last night or two nights ago i was able to play some uh warzone with Shiner and Star-Lord and nice. we got twice or second twice and first on our first game. So fun stuff. And I've been taking my DS to work with me because That's there's cool. some downtime at times. And, uh, I've been playing some, uh, Zelda phantom hourglass. Nice. Nice. I, as much as I love Zelda, I did not realize that that was a sequel to the GameCube's game wind waker. Kevin, I, I said that to Kevin and he was like, oh, yeah, duh. Well, like, duh. Well, yeah. Fuck me. I, mean, I didn't know. <laughs> bro, you're talking to someone who knows absolute jack <laughs> shit about <laughs> Zelda. So <laughs> I have heard the names of these titles. I don't know where they fall in the timeline. So <laughs> it's all good. Some of them are skipped around. Some of them aren't even in the same universe. It's like a Marvel thing. Yeah. Um, but I also been playing a little bit of um the PC version of a game that I've liked for years, a uh, record of agorist war. Yeah. And you've mentioned this game before. It's, it's, it's something that I'm going to have to spend and sink a lot of hours into just to, to get further and further into it. And the good thing is it's on the PC. It's easy to save, easy to come back to where I originally got it on the 360, And it was like, after a while, you just don't want to keep coming back to it. But sure. Now it's just easier. It's on the PC. It's on steam. And I'll just chip away at it. 
That's cool. But that's uh, that, that that's about it for me. How about you, buddy? What have you been preoccupying yourself with? Man, <laughs> I've been playing a lot of stuff and I'm going to say like 80% of it has been for school. <laughs> hey. So, I'm taking two classes again this semester. One of them is um it's 3D prototyping. So, last Ooh. semester my two classes I took had to deal with designing uh my own actual individual assets and learning how to create them the program we used was called maya and then you had to learn how to export and import into um unity which was like the actual game engine that you know oh yeah, AAA yeah, yeah. studios and stuff use uh and we didn't use unreal but i think they're kind of sort of interchangeable but we we used unity so this semester the one class that i'm taking i'm using prefabbed assets so someone's already created these and i'm actually going to be building a game with an interior and exterior mode to it and kind of have it be a first person kind of walk through and actually nice put the assets where i want them and how i want them which is a lot easier because i'm not nearly as good at designing as i would like to think that i am but <laughs> building a world and kind of having like kind of being able to kind of make the puzzle how I want kind of a deal is is pretty cool. Come on, it just brings you back to the old like Forge days or uh, playing Sims or something like that. Just trying to put yeah, everything yeah. together. But um, the second class that I'm taking is literally called Video Game History. And this is the class that I've been playing a lot of games on because of technology as it is right now, there are so many emulators and simulators for all of the old consoles. So my first week of this class... I literally got to play an emulated version of 1972's Pong. And then I've uh, we've played a lot of um, games from the Magnavox Odyssey, which is like, you mm-hmm. know, Atari's like a take home uh, console thing. And I got to play a, a variety of games like a basketball game, a soccer game. Um Next week, we're going to play, uh, or actually, I should say this week, we're going to play Space Invaders. And like, man, so many of these old school games from the 70s. um, And I tell you, man, uh, uh, freaking, what was it? Uh, Like, I want to say it's Ball Breaker, but I know that that's not right. There was actually a game that uh, Steve Jobs made for Atari. It was called like something Breaker ball breaker i'm blaming on ball breaker i know it's not right but it's basically like a little paddle that goes left and right on the bottom of the screen and you have a ball that's bouncing and you have to like oh yeah 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 i i think it is called ball breaker yeah um steve jobs wrote that game in four days i learned like there's a bunch of reading and videos and stuff i'm gonna watch for this class so i've been playing a lot of these old school games that has been freaking awesome but they're also very very hard to play because you're not playing on a paddle i'm literally playing on a keyboard with you know left and right or you know the WASD. so yeah w a s um d like controls or whatever but man it's been really fun some of the newer games call it brick breaker yeah brick breaker there well, you go that, yeah that version came out in 99 yeah uh i think i remember playing that version of it honestly so that's been soaking up a lot of my time is doing it for school and then after each game we have like quizzes and we had to do like a review this past week um and i did one on a game called states that was it came out 1990 uh 1990 1972 there we go and it was actually like you had this screen that you would put over your television that had a map of the united states and then it was separated by sections and colors but no none of the information about the states was filled in so you'd have one person on a on the controller um 
with their eyes closed, they just move the joystick and then the person, the other person would be like, and stop. And then you'd have to guess what state the light box came on without any information. And then if you guess the state right, you'll find the color in your deck of cards and be like, oh, shit, uh, Montana. Cool. But then if it's your turn and you land on the same state, you can challenge me for the Montana card if you land on Montana, because that card has three questions about each state. So it's like, well, what's the capital of Montana? And if you say Helena, you're correct and you get to keep my card. I'm sorry. If you say what? Helena. Is that, is, is that the proper pronunciation? I always thought it was Helena. Helena? Hel- Helena? Helena? I don't know. If you're from Montana, give us a shout out. I don't know. Helena? Helena? Uh, I'm probably know. butchering it too. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't I've know. Never, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Helena? So, so in your um, in your uh, your synopsis for your class, do you do they already have all of the games that you're going to be playing like scheduled out, listed out? <laughs> Indeed, they do. And I have it pulled up on my screen Ooh. as we speak. So, yeah, next week, Space Invaders. Week four, very looking forward to this. Pac-Man and the original Donkey Kong. I will also get to play. It just says 80s classics, but uh, I don't know what they are because my modules are locked until the, the week that they're actually here. Oh, but so 80s classics could be like Pitfall. Or no, that would be even earlier. Uh, that may even be like Prince of Persia. Maybe um, um, we'll do some horror and survival games. I'll play Ghost and Goblins, which I've had already played dude, that before. Is That's so a fucking fun hard. game. Yeah. Jesus Christ, uh, that is such a hard game. It is a hard one. Week nine, I'm looking forward to because Caf- Castle Wolfenstein and Wolfenstein 3D and the original Metal Gear game. Ooh. That's week nine. So that's about, as of this recording, about six weeks away. So, <laughs> Do you have um, Asteroids on there? Asteroids is always a fun yeah yeah we did asteroids yeah we had an asteroids arcade at the the lodge that we did our cub scouts at and you know just the the fond memories of playing asteroids you know it helps to make you forget the molestation yeah but uh um module 12 week 12 is going to kill me because i have to play oregon trail and sim city uh i don't know if i'm gonna make it so (laughs) I mean, you're going to die of dysentery early and then you just have to worry about, you know, making sure that the power grid is up in your. Yeah. So that's a sneak peek of some of the games I have played and will be playing. But then the other like 20% of my time has been totally soaked up with Horizon Forbidden West. And oh my God, dude, this game is so good. Um, I wish I hadn't had to have put it down, but any, basically any time that I've had outside of my school stuff, I've been trying to get in. So this week alone, I probably put in a good four or five hours, which has been great getting back in. Um, man, they did just, this game is solid. It is so good. They've put a, a really strong emphasis on some of the, um, melee combat. So now like Aloy can just go around and beat the shit out of any of the human, uh, enemies, and she nice. actually gets like pulse charges with her spear. So you can like do an attack where you kind of power up your pulse. And then when you hit somebody, it's an automatic critical hit. And then you get like one of like five or six different like kill animations. 
and it's freaking awesome yeah dude it's it's really good and then the the machines in this game are so good i just took down one that basically emulated a polar bear and it was fucking awesome like at some point like when you see him and he's not been alerted to you he's on all fours but then when he's alerted to your presence he stands up but then he'll throw like lightning rocks and shit at you and he'll like yeah dude he'll freaking like roar at you and spit shit at you oh my god dude and you have to figure out how to beat this guy like you give him a coke yeah um like i was using the tear blast which like uh it's like a pulse uh arrow that'll like blow off like components and stuff so man it's it's freaking cool i am having a lot of fun with this game um i'm gonna stick with it they did las vegas pretty well in this game it's really fun so yeah that's uh that's a long long bit for me and the what you're playing but i was just really excited with the school stuff i've been playing no and that's Horizon awesome. forbidden west man you need to get back into zero dawn that game is really good I know. when you when you have time when you have time that game is well worth it and um like i i remember getting the platinum in that game and finishing everything in about 50 hours for that first game so Phew. Yeah, it, it's a time sink, but it like I was having fun the whole time and I wanted to do everything in that game. <laughs> this game, I'm like mainlining the the story because it's so good and so gripping. Like I'm leaving side quests like this is not normally how I play, but I'm leaving side quests like unchecked because I'm like, damn, dude, I need to figure out what's going on with the story. It's so gripping. It's so good. Um, and see, that's something that I can't usually do. Like maybe if, like you said, the main story is so gripping, but if there are side quests, I feel like if I found them, I need to do them because if I get too far in the main story, will the side quest no longer be available? Will I do something in the main story that then again alters either the the available characters or the terrain or something that could change sure. how the side quest actually will be available. Sure. I know like in horizon, like so far in both games, that's not the case. Those side quests stay there. Um, and I think more recent games have kind of been that way. I know I remember playing like the newer Assassin's Creed games like the RPG trilogy like and I was like 10 levels over leveled for the side quest but it was still there like nothing that's excuse me nothing that I did in the story like you know jeopardized my ability to access that side quest or side mission or whatever so I think maybe I, I don't know I'm just broadly saying I think games in general might be moving that way where they don't penalize you for not getting to it as soon as you can you know I just know horizons that way. There's still stuff way back on the right side of the map, like the far east side of the map where I'm like, okay, I'll I'll get back to it. But they also want you to go back because there's some tools or like, uh, like story related quest items that I haven't acquired yet to where they know that I'm going to go back there at some point and finish some side quests and get to some secret loot and stuff that I'm not able to access currently. So, um, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. That was a long, long intro, but all good. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into our topic. But in order to do that, we're going to cue up some boss music. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. We have reached our topic time. So 
I mentioned in the intro of the show that we're going to talk about our Mount Rushmore of games. And that's a that's a phrase and idea that you guys have heard me mention and say on the show before, but I'd never really defined it. And so I was thinking about this over the last like couple of days of what would that look like? And for me, and what Andrew and I are going to try to attempt tonight, we're going to talk about our Mount Rushmore of games, which for me, I'm going to define as the games that have impacted us or influenced us the most over the last 30 plus years of our video game history. And we're going to do four of them for each of us. So, Andrew, that's kind of a long walk up to what we're doing here. What would be the first game that you would say has impacted or influenced you the most? Now, I would be remiss if I didn't just say Zelda straight out the gate. <laughs> like, I have tattoos. Like, I, Zelda. Okay. Let's see. Um, there are one, two, there are two, three. Yeah. There's that. There are three posters currently sitting behind Andrew right now. There's all those amiibos <laughs> up there. Yeah. Little, little, uh, one of our friends ended up making a little, uh, cross stitch of Link. Um, yep. all, all sorts. Of, yeah. Zelda. Also the Triforce tattoo. So. Yeah. Yep. So I say Zelda because, A, I grew up and I started playing video games in 89 when I was three years old. Um, yeah. My dad had a television. We played games. Everything was kind of fun. But when Zelda really came out and I was able to play that off the Nintendo, it was different. It was something of a bonding experience for me and my dad, which started everything there. And then, but for Zelda, it grew something with me. Sure. Oh, well, hello there. It, it, it allowed me to have like a, a building of reaction time and to understand strategy and problem solving for different games or different aspects of the game. How am I going to uh, defeat this boss? Do I need to use a certain type of item? How do I stop myself from dying? How do I prep for a dungeon? Oh, is there a way I can use this item on something other than its intended use? Oh, I can use a candle to burn down a bush. I can use a bomb to blow yeah. up uh, a mine, like or a wall. I can find these other things. And it really opened the realm of critical thinking to me as a kid that grew with me on each sequence of games that came out. So my number one has to be Zelda. Nice. And solid pick. I figured that that would probably be on the list. Um, and I'm glad that you tied that to memories with your dad, because as I was putting my list together, there's definitely going to be some mentions of my dad and my list, too. I'm going to get oddly and weirdly personal with some of mine, which is totally fine. But I, I feel like to understand why these games impact and and have had such a, a huge impression on my life and I, I would assume for you as well we're going to have to kind of get personal with it and that's fine that's totally fine so i was trying to figure out how i was going to do my order and i was trying to figure out like what game would go over which president's face right and i was like uh whatever <laughs> oh i'm just God, going to do it history nerd <laughs> i am a history nerd i'm not um, <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know why i got stuck on mount rushmore by the way it was just like i want to like elevate these four games and say like In these are the stone. most yeah influential games for me um so i'm just gonna start at the game that influenced or impact me 
first that like that I can I can really date uh, at a at a certain and specific time, and we have to go all the way back to 1998 for me, and that was Metal Gear Solid, and Ooh. I had never played a game like this before and up until 1998 i don't even think a game like metal gear solid ever existed it was such a just a i mean pardon my my cussing here but it was such a mind fuck of a game that i had just never had anticipated or could have known about going into this game i mean i'm a 12 13 year old kid and i had never experienced a game that just had such a vast like you know, array of elements in it. It had these long, drawn-out video cutscenes, and it had boss fights that were so incredible and memorable. I mean, you guys have played this game. Like, being on top of the communications tower with the Stinger missiles, fighting a helicopter? Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, a fight with a cyborg ninja in a stealth suit? Like, get out of here. The fight with Psycho Mantis? And switching your controller into port two so he can't see your moves. Like, who thinks of this stuff? I remember laughing my ass off as a 12, 13 year old kid when you equipped your box near the wolves and they'd pee on the cardboard box. Yeah. So that you could be stealthy through that whole section. Like, I was like, in 1998, who was thinking of this? Like, I mean, Kojima is just out of his, you know, he's freaking out of his mind anyway, but he's so innovative that it's it's insane i did not know that a video game could do all of these things and i was blown away by this game and it started this love of campy humor and great action and these stealthy games like there is some humor in that game that is just like when you, when you <laughs> hide in a locker a foot locker and you close the door go into first person perspective and you can see that oh there's naughty, naughty uh, posters hanging up on this door. <laughs> yeah, like Otacon pisses himself like three times in the whole course of the game. Like it's who thinks of this stuff? So th this game impacted me in a way just because it was such an un unexpected thing for me. I, I had no idea what the original Metal Gears were like. I have since gone back and played those games and they're awesome. Um, but I had no idea what I was getting into with this game, and I was just thoroughly like surprised and engaged. This game impacted me in a way that was like, I need more of this. I need more of these styles of games. Um, you know, I would say that Metal Gear Solid 3 is my favorite in the series, but we don't get that game without what Kojima did here. And this game just, I mean, it, it's hard to say it, it like, blew up my expectations because I didn't have any going in. I had no idea what this game was. I was just recommended to me um, by a couple of friends of mine that I had just recently made when I moved back in with my mom and they were like, you need to get this game. And I remember getting the game and I was just like, oh my God, dude, like I'd never played anything like this before. Well, I think the fun part of it is that you you can not only like it wasn't as scripted as some of the other games. It wasn't as predictable. And because yeah. it wasn't predictable, you could have things like wolves peeing on the box. Like you do this or that and there is a very human reaction to it and you're like they actually captured that. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that to actually happen in a game because it wasn't just a I bumped into somebody and they just shifted aside 
and didn't react. No, they actually staggered backwards or, you know, big exclamation mark above their heads or something, something. It was, there was a very, like, like you said, uh, an innovative reaction to a lot of the, the gaming aspects of that game. So number number two for you on our pointless countdown. Um, another one. It, it also gears back to my dad. Another one that sure. he was able to find was uh, it's called Shining Force. I have mentioned it before. Yeah, yeah. It it is a uh, an RPG game, and because of the RPG aspect of that. You start out as your hero, but you also build an army. It's, you build your own rebel army. And the RPG aspect of that, of needing to be strong enough to go into battle, of actually preparing for battle, yeah, the strategy of where to move your characters, who to have as a vanguard, who to have as support. Don't let this group go off too much without having a healer with them. Just the, the idea of RPG growth and strategy that instilled something in me and and made me absolutely love that style of gaming and the artwork, the colors, just the, the whole notion of it, the, the good story really sucked me in. And because of that, it had me coming back for a lot of the sequels. That's awesome, man. How many uh, shining force games are there right now? I know Kevin's like mentioned a, a bunch on the course of the show so far. So I actually, <laughs> I actually did a little uh, list, and I have been collecting them because oh, I'm nice. a nerd. Yeah. So, and that's why I mentioned at one time, you know, I've been playing that one like learn how to speak Japanese game, because yeah. a few of them are just solely in Japanese. Um, and it's not just Shining Force. There's also other Shining games. Uh, it starts Shining. Shining in the Darkness, Shining Force, Shining Force Gaiden, Shining Force, the Sword of Hiyaja, uh, Shining Force 2, Shining Force CD, uh, Shining Force Gaiden Final Conflict, Shining Wisdom. I mean, there is an entire, like, if I could show you, I have a list of 39, where some of them were Japanese mobile games um, or mobile recreations. Some of them are PlayStation 2, after a while, uh, Sega Saturn, Game Gear, uh, Sega Genesis, PlayStation 2, 3, 4, out to the Switch. and Wow. Yeah. I and didn't the, know that it was that many. Yeah, they kept going, but they altered the game style of a lot of it, where it was no longer a Fire Emblem style of battle. Wow. It, it became a different style of battle. Um, which wasn't as fun, but I mean, I, that's why I like the older ones and the old other styles, but I've been trying to dip my toes into the newer ones as well, just to kind of, just to have them as an experience, but there, (laughs) there are, there are quite a bit of them. Gotcha. Man, that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, so my, my number two here. Uh, on my Mount Rushmore of games that have impacted me. Um, just a few years after my first pick, um, fast forward to 2001, and a game I've talked about a lot so far in the course of the show, and that's Final Fantasy X. Um, and this game, man, it was my fourth Final Fantasy game, so I had like an idea of 
what Final Fantasy was at this point. But I had no idea really what I was getting into except for reading whatever article that was in like the whatever video game magazine you were getting at the time. I remember sitting like in your living room at the at the old house like one day after school or something and we were thumbing through and I was like, I don't know, something about the this character's look, the fact that he's got this cool like water sword and there's like a picture of this water sport blitzball, don't know what the hell it is. Um and I was like, I don't know, man. I'm I'm just, I look into I was like I'm into this game just from the aesthetic of it and like having already played nine, then I played eight and seven. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm like these games. Uh, and I'm really interested to see like what they're going to do with the PS two. Cause it was kind of not really a launch game, but it, it was shortly after launch. And we, I remember reading the article and it was like, Oh, there's going to be voice acting. Um, and man, just from the opening, like, hour or so of this game when you're in Xanderkin and you're doing the Blitzball match and that cool crunchy rock and roll guitar comes in and then you see who you find out later to be the character Orin and just that whole opening cinematic just like blew me away even on the PlayStation 2 and man I fell in love with this game I fell in love with Titus I was like man this was such a cool character and you've already mentioned some of the stuff about your dad this is where I'm going to hop into some of mine like I played this game as a 12-year-old kid, 13-year-old kid. No, I was a little bit older. I was about 14. And um, I had, like, really no idea about, like, what happens when people die. At this point, my dad had passed away. And, you know, in the game, Titus's dad just gets whisked away to this new world. And I thought maybe that there was some sort of real-world correlation to that, that maybe my dad hadn't actually passed away but was somewhere just waiting for me kind of a thing. Like, I was in a weird headspace, man. I was so, like, traumatized, I guess, in a way. But, I mean, I, I've worked through my shit. Don't worry, people. I'm good. I'm good. Um, no, but, but I, like, I, f- I feel that. I, I really do. Like, I was trying to find a way to fill that void, and I found that with this with this character, um, Titus. And then the game was absolutely fun to play. Being able to switch to any member of your party in the, in the active time battle, like, come on, man, that was cool. And then that they actually made enemies for every character. Like, you had your flying characters for Waka. You had your hard shell characters for Orin. You had Yuna to bring in your summons. You had Lulu as your black mage. Like, man, it was just such a fun game to play. And the voice acting was actually really, really good. I, you know, having not played many games with voice acting up to that point, I thought it was really good. And yeah, I'm including the laughing scene on the bridge right before you hit the Mihin High Road. <laughs> I think it fits for what that game is. It's a little campy. There's even a Macarena joke when you get to Guado Salam. It's like, whatever, man. Like the game is a game that wasn't taking itself seriously that much. But it also has some very like heartfelt moments, man. You're going to tell me when you get to the end of that game and Titus tells Jack, like, I hate you, but he's actually like, Nah, I missed you, bro. I love you. Like that's that's what the feeling is when he says it, and Jack's just standing there like all stoic, like yeah, I know. And then it's like, all right, cue some crunchy rock and roll guitar. Let's do a boss battle. Like it, freaking slaps, man. It's so good. So it's you know I've gone on record saying it, it's my favorite, and I haven't even talked about Blitzball that much. Blitzball was fun for me. I sat and played yeah. that game for hours. 
hours just for Blitzball, man. And Titus with the jack shot, like, get out of here, man. Like, him with a jack shot is just unfair. It is unfair. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's a long buildup for me. But your your any thoughts on Final Fantasy X for you? No, I thought it was very good too. I thought it was fun. You you hit all the the good key points: the voice acting, the uh, the character development, uh, the, the the fun little quirky things. Because what game isn't going to have those fun little quirky things? Yes, there's going to be that immersiveness, but there's also going to be that like a little bit of lighthearted to like make hey, don't take life too seriously. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, it was. I enjoyed it. I remember uh, trying to save the game before my very first Blitzball battle. When I realized there was a Blitzball battle uh, or match. Yeah. Because I lost it the first time. And then I had, I went to go back because I wanted to win my first match that you're supposed to lose, but yeah. you can win. You can win it. You just got to yeah. cheese it. Yeah. You got to cheese it. And, but and, and I totally think it took fine. me like three tries. And, yeah and i was like all right i feel validated let's play this story <laughs> every time i play the game i always win that first match one nothing because i save up enough hp for tight for excuse me for titus to do the the jack shot score one nothing and then you just hang out behind your goalie with the ball and that's it <laughs> yep i don't care i don't care i'm i'm fine cheesing that game and then you get a cool little <laughs> scene with waka and the rest of the blitzball team so he gets to go out as a champ and it's fun. Exactly. So, yeah. Right on. All right. We're in our top two. What do you have for your number two? Oh, I thought we were going back. I thought we were going the other way. Or sorry, number three. Never mind. I can't count. No, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, you, I could be going top bottom. You can be going yeah. bottom top. It's all good. Yeah, it's all we're, good. It's it, all good. It's left to right, right to left. We're, I'm dyslexic either way, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've already said I'm going as far as like actual chronological order, as far oh, as impact okay. yeah, yeah, goes. Yeah. So yeah, but that, that's me. So <laughs> yeah. all good. All good. So I'm, I'm going to have to go with a uh, halo. Ooh. Okay. So I halo as a first person shooter. I, I would have said golden eye. Sure. But golden eye didn't bring about the, the land parties and the multiplayer and, and all the other aspects like GoldenEye was a fun first person shooter that helped to get me into first person shooters and whatnot. But Halo really made me try to be a better player hmm. because I could, I could play. And then I realized, okay, during the campaigns, I had to dodge. I had to wait undercover. I had to do these things, those things, because the harder difficulty you were on the campaign, in the campaign, the 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 more strategy or the more reserved you have to be as you play. Sure. But then when you play online, there's other ways that you have to play as well. And then Halo was the first real game that I started to watch other people play to hmm. get new ideas as to how I need to play. Because gotcha. that's whenever yeah. we were going to Game Crazy and everything. We were watching other people play. We were watching the tournaments. And I realized those are things that I don't do. I felt like my skill had reached a stagnant plateau and I didn't know how to get better. And then once I started actually seeing other people play, I tried to adapt their game style into mine to find a way to just get better. And that was the first real game that made me want to better myself. But it also led me into the fun of multiplayer games and yeah. eventually battle royales. 
Right. Yeah, I think that's a solid pick. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, I remember playing GoldenEye, and I never owned my own N64, but that was a game that was like the neighborhood game to play. But, you know, this was before you could do LAN parties. You were limited to just four people on a console in one place. On the same Halo screen. became, yeah, on the same screen, where Halo made it more accessible to be a more communal type game. You know, um, we've mentioned the story on, on, on air before, but we played, I think it was Halo 2 or Halo 3 for my um, bachelor party. Yeah, yeah. And we had like, seriously, like 16 people playing on four or five different televisions with like two TVs of- in the living room, <laughs> one in the kitchen. And I was in the spare bedroom for with the fourth yeah. TV. Yeah. And like, it became a much more communal like thing to do. And you could have you know, 16, 20 people like all kind of playing together. And it it became like a thing, like you said, where you could watch other people and learn tactics or strategies and how to dodge and do all of these, like, or how to do the super jumps and the stupid shit like that. So like it became like the first like real communal thing. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm admittedly the Sony pony of the show. Um, but as someone on the outside looking in and seeing what Xbox was doing at that time, I was like, holy shit, man, PlayStation needs to get their shit together. Like, <laughs> where's your first person shooter that's like uh, a communal thing like that? And right. Halo is one of those things, man. Like, even as someone who has only owned an Xbox very briefly, like, I would love to get into something like that. I'm just not very good at those games. But it um, doesn't matter. I can I can understand why there's such a draw. You know, and and the impact that that brings, because we're never going to get that first communal type game again. You know, we can talk about games and we can sit here and recommend games and be like, oh, dude, bro, you need to play this or try this. It's on Steam or it's on Game Pass or whatever. But the actual that initial feeling of getting 12, 16, 20 guys together and someone's cramped up you know, mom's basement, like playing games together, man, you'll never have that feeling again. When you don't have sports practice that weekend, or you don't have that much homework and everyone just got together, you just finished playing outside. You came inside so you can all have a snack and play a couple games. And no, I, I completely agree on that because that's actually another topic that I've thought about before um, that we may talk about in the future. And it's about the nostalgia of it. Yeah, that it, yeah. I mean, hot take great games of the past are only great for us because we experience them in our heyday. Yeah, they have very little replay value to anyone but us. But to have that same level of excitement and enjoyment, that's something that we experience with that. And these kids nowadays are going to have to experience that with something else. It may be yeah. Fortnite. It may be something else like it. I mean, we we make fun of Fortnite and Roblox and things like that, but <laughs> yeah. shit, that's their that's their Zelda, that's their like right. Legend of Zelda NES, that's their uh, Duck Hunt, that's what they right. can establish Super themselves Mario on or something, right? Yeah. So they they may not have experienced all of the the buildup of flip phones to smartphones from oh my god yeah from mario to mario galaxy like they may not have experienced all these things but that just gives them a new starting point to then exceed off of that yeah 
Tell me you're old as shit without telling me you're old as shit. <laughs> Flip phones. My God, man. Um, yeah, man, I, I think you're right. And, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show, like, I played Pong last week. <laughs> no one's going back in time and playing Pong going, holy shit, this is one of the best games ever. No, you go back and play that game now on your keyboard. You're like, God, this game is ass. <laughs> when does it end? When does it end? Um, I, I always remember that 70s show whenever Kelso is playing Pong and then he ends up taking apart <laughs> red Satari so that he, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to make smaller paddles. Pong is too easy. <laughs> yeah. So, man, yeah, that's a great pick. And yeah, Halo is so influential to what has become as far as multiplayer games. And like, as you said, BRs as they are today, like, you don't get there without you know the influence and impact that halo is so man solid pick solid pick i can't wait to hear like what your last one is it's not as um, good <laughs> <laughs> well then that should have been this one <laughs> anyway um my my next pick here just kind of going in chronological order for me um fast forwarding all the way to 2013 and a game series that I have definitely talked a lot about on this show from what is my favorite developer currently, and that is 2013's The Last of Us. And this game, oh my god, man. See, I know a lot of people are probably groaning and maybe oh. even veered their car off you know, on the road. They're like, why the hell didn't he say Uncharted? Uncharted's great. It's my favorite game series ever. But it didn't impact me as much as The Last of Us. And, and here's why. Um... It's a freaking zombie apocalypse. How do you get better than that? Um, you just don't. Zombies are cool. But I love just the kind of Sophie's Choice kind of thing that you get towards the end of that game. Joel, it's like the needs of the few versus the needs of the many. He loses his daughter 10 minutes into the game. And then he finds like his surrogate daughter, like a replacement daughter in this character that he hadn't met, Ellie. And then you, you go on this just absolute man it, it is such a mind mind-blowing and completely jarring journey across the united states and you really go through some shit in this in this game and it's not just the zombies or the infected in this it's it's the actual humans and people that you come across with you know in kind of the typical zombie trope like they're sometimes more dangerous than the actual zombies but the journey that you go on with this character uh is absolutely phenomenal and I I just love the journey. When you get to the winter chapter in this game and you have the, the boss fight with David in the burning restaurant and you get to the end of that boss fight and he's like legitimately, he's trying to force himself onto Ellie. That's just the nicest way to put it. And she hacks the shit out of him with the machete. And Joel comes in right at that minute as that's happening and grabs her and gives her a hug and calls her baby girl. Oh my God. Tell me you can't play that without shedding a freaking tear, man. Because in that moment, Joel's finally been like, okay, this is my daughter now. And I will do anything and everything I can to protect this girl. And I remember playing that the first time going, holy shit, man, they got me like, yes, this, this makes sense. Fuck that surgery. She's my daughter. And when you fast forward to the end of that game, and you're in that hospital and the fireflies are about to perform that surgery on her, man. I felt every bit of that. I'm like, hell no, man. That's my daughter. I will AK the shit out of all of you guys. <laughs> and you just go on that murder rampage in the hospital, killing all the fireflies. You 
are forced to kill at least the one doctor. You don't have to kill all of them. But even if you shoot that doctor in the foot or in the elbow, it's an insta kill, no matter what. Because if you don't shoot him, he's going to stab you with his little uh, like Scal- incision knife or whatever. Yeah. Scalpel. That's the one. Incision knife. I don't know what the hell I was talking. <laughs> anyway. Um, his exacto yeah, knife. You're, his exacto blade. Yeah. Like uh, you're forced to kill the doctor and you feel it, man. I went in there like guns blazing, like, man, screw all y'all. That's my daughter, man. And then killing Marlene in the parking lot as you're leaving and her begging for mystery, mercy. And she's like, you know, let me live. And Joel's like, no, if I let you live, you're just coming after her. And I was like, hell yeah, I feel that. And then the way that that game ends with the ambiguous ending where Joel lies and says that they stop looking for a cure. You're like, man, you just came around to being one of the coolest, most badass characters. And then you're going to straight up lie to the, to the, your daughter now. <laughs> oh my God, man. That ending is one of the best in video games. If not the best, this, this game impacted me in a way that I just have never seen storytelling in a video game done the way that the last of us did it. And then the last of us two came along and the last of us two didn't make, make the cut. It's not on my Mount Rushmore, but you don't get last of us two without the first game. And the first game is so damn good. It is so good. Um, and that's, that's why it's, why it's on my list. I love that game and it impacted me in a way that I just never saw coming. Now, uh, my, my, my last one, my follow up is not going to be as good as that. No, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I, this should have done it, Halo. This last. didn't impact me in that way. <laughs> well, no, because in my mind I went one to four. I should have done four to one. I should have started with this one. But it's all good. All good. Here we are. All good. Um, I I've never been a big fighter game. I've I've not been a big Mortal Kombat. I I didn't go into Tekken tournaments and do awesome as Eddie Guerrero. Like <laughs> I I I was never a good like fighter thing until I saw. Pikachu, Mario, Donkey Kong, Yoshi, all trolloping in a field and then beating the shit out of each other. Are we talking Super Smash Bros? We're talking Super Smash Bros. Hell yeah, let's go. Super Smash Bros. is it's part of my founding father. This is part of my Mount Rushmore because just like Zelda and playing in the different maps like got me some quick reflexes, reactions. Super Smash Brothers gave me the quicker reactions. That's that that hand eye coordination. That like, hey, we got to move. Yeah, we gotta, man. Uh, do the five D's and dodge the wrenches and dodge a ball. Um, <laughs> but it gave me, it gave me the enjoyment for that kind of free for all uh, fighter with characters that I liked characters yeah. that I had already built a relationship with. I'd already played star Fox 64 and I'd already played Zelda. I'd already played Pokemon. Like it was characters that like, like I didn't just, you know, play sub zero in the wild. I didn't just play all these other characters. No, these were characters that actually drew me in, and that's the original. It was it, it was a big staple for me, sure, and it helped me to think out. Man, you can be outside of the box. There is a world where all of these characters can come together. Yeah, and it's not just they're in each of their own little section. So I mean, like as the games progressed and the sequels came out, and like more characters came out. I, I I haven't even paid attention to what's in the current Switch version. There are so many. Oh my gosh, dude. There are so many characters in there of now. Of characters that I don't know who they are or, well, I've never played the games that they're from. Like, yeah. 
and I'm ashamed to admit I've only played like 10 minutes of Splatoon. So I don't really know much of those characters to be able to play that, but super smash brothers, a big staple of my gaming career, knowledge, guidance of my interest in thinking outside the box and trying to have a quicker yeah. reaction time as I play. Yeah, dude. Okay. So you're kind of crapping on your own pick. That's a solid pick, man. Super Smash Brothers. Like as you were talking, I was like, dude, that is such an influential and impactful game. Maybe not to the extent of a Halo, but if I were to think of another game that was like Halo, where I just would like, especially in the friend circles and groups that I had in high school and even in college and post-college, Halo is, is up there as number one, but Super Smash Brothers is like right there at number two as far as like communal games, especially in the circles that I was in, man. Like Super Smash Brothers is influential and impactful because, like you said, it was so many different characters from beloved games, having Star Fox and Seamus and Zel uh, Link, um, you know, and Donkey Kong, like Mario, Yoshi, like having so many characters come from different games and being like okay go ahead put your money where your mouth is and let, let's see who's who's the best I, I i played with people who could just absolutely own me with kirby or even pikachu like it just it never made sense but man it was so much fun to just go okay we're gonna not only import these characters but now we're gonna design levels that are for each character and play the music from those games for it. Like it was such a mind. Do you want to feel thing. at home while you're playing Pikachu here battle in a Pokemon stadium? Oh my gosh. Or Seamus with the freaking like floating, like lava level or whatever. Samus. 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 Seamus. Keep saying Seamus. Whatever. You make it sound Samus. like, you know. there we go. Samus. You all yeah. know what I'm saying. Samus. It's okay. it's okay. Everybody. I heard it the first time too. And I was just trying to think of how I can bring Metroid prime into an Irish uh, accent, but I couldn't, I couldn't manifest it properly. Over in Ireland, we call her Seamus. <laughs> At least, you know, it's a her. That's a, that's a bonus. I point. don't know. It's a her. It's a her named Seamus. She's very burly. <laughs> she, she likes to fire the guns at guys and stuff like that. It's fine. <laughs> pew, pew. And they poop the bombs. <laughs> she likes to go pew, pew. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, Seamus, there we go. That's going to be an shit. edit. <laughs> She likes to go pew pew. She likes to go pew pew. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, not that I have derailed us because I don't, I don't know how to say things. <laughs> oh man, welcome to the shit show. All good. Um, but yeah, Super Smash Brothers is a great pick, man. So don't crap on your own pick. That's that's really great. And man, I knew people who could just absolutely own and destroy in that game um and the fact that you can do it from like your switch and stuff now and and the the iterations of that game that have come out like uh what's the super smash brothers melee i think is that that's one right melee brawl Ultimate. brawl yeah yeah like there's so many iterations of it that it's it's insane that that game has aged very well and i tell you what when you and Kevin gifted me one of the old N64s you guys have, and my son and I can play the original Super Smash Brothers game, it feels good. Like, the controller is still weird as hell, right? Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. The N64 controllers absolutely suck, <laughs> in my opinion. I'm sorry. Just one asshole's opinion. I'm sorry. Don't shoot me. Um, but, like, 
the controls are still easy enough to where you're like, okay, this isn't that bad to get into. Like, it still feels fun to play after, I don't know, how long's the original Super Smash been out? 18 years, 20 years? Uh, something? I think I was in sixth grade, which would have been... Like 98, 97, somewhere in there? Yeah, so somewhere around there. Yeah. So, I mean, it still feels like it's a fun game to play, and the characters are still awesome to play as. So that's a great pick, man. I'm not going to I'm not gonna crap on that pick. I'm not going to crap on it at all. So, uh, Seamus for the win. Seamus. Seamus. Um, ladies and gentlemen, my next, and I should say last, game that has really influenced me if you've listened to this show for a single episode, you already know what it is. My favorite game as it stands right now. And when Doki I was Doki making Doki this Literature list, Club. Yep, Doki Doki Literature Club is correct. No, it is not. No, like as I was making my list, I wasn't trying to pick my all-time favorite games, just games that impacted me. But as it stands right now, this game impacted me so much that I was like, you know what? Right now it is my favorite game. Hopefully he got impacted soon. so hard he had to get yeah. tested. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, my brain has not recovered. But hopefully to be surpassed by the upcoming sequel to this game, and that's God of War 2018. And I know Ryan from Listoff, if you're listening, what's up, brother? You're probably groaning in your car or at the gym or wherever you listen. Uh, so are the effing gamers. But um, it's, it's fine. Yes, this game impacted me in ways that I just had never foreseen. So this game came out in 2018. My son was three when this game came out. And that's an important one for me because, dude, and Andrew, you may feel this way now or feel this way once uh, your baby arrives, but I was scared shitless when I knew I was becoming a dad. And this is where I'm going to get into a little bit of my my own personal dad stuff, right? Um, Kratos in this game, you get a sense that he's not been around and he's kind of a shitty dad until the journey takes place that is the game his wife dies that's not a spoiler like it happens off camera before the game and like you're literally the first scene of the game you chop down a tree that then becomes part of the pyre that you build for your wife like it's so her death is inevitable it's already happened right and then throughout the journey of the game like kratos has to learn how to be a dad and Atreus, his son, is trying to like guide him and 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 help him, you know, learning how to how to be around and be present, right? And I was scared shitless as a dad, like you know, before my son was born, because I didn't know what type of dad I was going to be. My dad passed away when I was eleven, and my mom, we'll just say for lack of better terms, wasn't the best parent. <laughs> She's had her vices and still does. Um, I told you guys it was going to go a little, a little personal, a little deep. So it's going to get a little uncomfortable here. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but just, just bear with me. So I, I had, I had a long laundry list of things that I wanted to be as a parent when my son was born. And a lot of them were just things that I grew up without, you know, stable home, no drugs and alcohol in it. And wanted to make sure that my wife and I were like completely and always on the same page. And man, if my wife were to pass away right now, it'd be an absolute mess, as would anybody right in that situation. But I had no idea what type of dad I was going to be. And I was scared. And having Kratos be in this situation where he hasn't 
clearly spent a whole lot of time with his son and doesn't know how to interact, I felt like, man, I feel like I'm going to get that way. Because as I've probably mentioned on the show before, my wife's from Argentina, so she speaks a different language. Uh, I mean, she speaks English and she went to school for English, but Spanish is her first language. And in the game, Kratos doesn't know how to speak the Jotun, which is the giant language that Atreus is fluent in. There's there's runes and things that you come across in the entire game throughout the game world that Atreus has to translate for Kratos so he understands what it is. And I can't tell you how many times my wife has had to do that with me as far as Spanish goes. I can understand and speak a little bit of Spanish. Um, but there's a commonality there that I was not expecting with this game and the way that it ends and, and you kind of gone on this like buddy thing with Atreus. I just found a lot of commonality with that because I've, it forced me to really like look at how I was becoming a dad (laughs) and like things I wanted to do differently. Um, like there's a, there's a line in the game that Kratos uses like 10 minutes in that I've actually used in a real life situation. And I remember when I said it, my wife looked at me like, well, where'd that come from? And the line is this. So there's a, there's a moment in the game. You're hunting a deer at the beginning part of this game. And Atreus like rushes the kill and you have to go on a hunt to find this deer. And Kratos takes the bow away. And, um, the, the scene plays out in that Kratos is getting mad that he's that Atreus is rushing uh, the kill. And Atreus is like, oh, man, I'm sorry. And Kratos says this, don't be sorry, be better. And I was like, oh, <laughs> dude, I'm using that. And so I've actually used that in a real life scenario with my son. So again, we're going to get oddly personal and weird here. So my son has this really bad habit of farting while we're all sitting on the couch watching a family movie (laughs) and he'll just let out a silent, but deadly. And we've been trying to get him to like ask us to pause the movie or the TV show and go to the bathroom. And so one time, like two years ago, (laughs) we're all sitting on the couch. We're watching something on Disney plus or some, some stupid thing. And dude, this kid lets out one of the worst smelling farts I've ever smelled in my entire life. I was just like, Sam. And he's like, I'm sorry, Poppy. And I was like, no, don't be sorry. Be better. Do what I'm telling you. (laughs) And my wife was just like, what has gotten into you? And I was like, I'm sorry, babe. I was playing video games earlier. (laughs) That's a line from the game. (laughs) Uh, But she's like, you know, that's that's a good line. But maybe just don't say it that way. And I was like, okay, don't don't try to say it as gruff and dramatic. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, well, I didn't say boy or whatever, boy. but um, aside from all the like dad stuff of the game, the, the game is so fun to play. The gameplay and the battle system is absolutely amazing. I have gone back to this game numerous times and I love the feel of the axe. The frost axe is amazing. The shield, absolutely amazing. Or you can just use your fists and beat the shit out of people. Like, it is so much fun. And one of the things that they do in this game that I think is one of the best, in my opinion, just, you know, of versions of games that I've played, the side characters are absolutely just phenomenal. The the two dwarves in this game, they're brothers, and they start, like, at the start of this game, they've had a falling out. And throughout the course of the game and with... Kratos's and Atreus's help that 
bridge gets to be mended. And you see it happen, and then it correlates into this very sweet moment towards the end of the game where they finally come together and they help you out on the main quest. And I won't spoil how that happens and what happens with that, but it is so good, and it, it doesn't feel cheated. It feels earned. It feels rewarded. Like, it's it's so good. Um, some of the other things that I, I like is really just... It's the journey. It's the fact that this game, from the beginning, your goal, your mission, never changes. You're trying to get your wife's ashes to the highest peak in all the realms. And that never goes away. And I, I feel like everything that happens in the game happens for a reason. And I just, man, the, the game has just impacted me in ways that I did not think that a game could. The, the journey of Kratos and Atreus, the father-son um, relationship that they have and just being able to find links to that in my own personal life has affected me in ways that I could have never ever imagined that's why it's my favorite game so I hope I did a good enough job explaining that so I think anyway yeah that's that that's my list so real quick Andrew let's let's run down your list again really quick your games were Starting at number one, Zelda. Number two, Shining Force. Number three, Halo. And number four, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, a solid list. Um, and for me, my, my list, just go in chronological order. Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy X, The Last of Us, and God of War 2018. Listeners, let us know. You know, th- for me, this wasn't a very hard exercise. Andrew, I can't speak for you. Was this something fun or did you find it being hard to kind of go, these were the most impactful games? I mean, you know how I am. I always like to have like that heads up and to, to really think about it and then put it to mm-hmm. pen to paper and corrections and edits. And now yeah. you, you told me about this this morning and I was able to actually come up with these and it took me it took me a minute to really like you know look in inwards about it but uh i think it was i think i realized you know which games really defined me which games have had the best impact on my life growing up now whatever to my gaming life to my actual life like you were talking about as a, a the God of War aspect with as a as a father figure, like all, all of the things, what impacted me, and it just those are the ones that stood out the most. Um, yeah, the reason why he found out this morning, ladies and gentlemen, because my birthday was last night, and my wife and I went out to a so. <laughs> Yeah, I am now one year older. Yay! Um, but no, I I found that this list was was pretty easy. And so all that to say, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to leave us uh, a comment on Instagram, Twitter, or send us an email, like we'd like to know what your Mount Rushmore of video games are. What are the four games that you can look back and go, these games impacted us or influenced us and what we like or maybe even dislike about games or just games that you played and you were like, holy shit, I just did not expect this character, this story, this world, this side quest, or whatever it is that has impacted or influenced you, we'd like to know. We'd like to open up uh, open up some chat with you. You know, you can also join our Discord. That link will be below in the description for this episode. 
Um, we have a great community over there. Uh, want to say a huge uh, what's up, and uh, I don't know how you say hello in Dutch, but Chuck, what's going on, brother? Glad you made it over across the pond into Amsterdam. Um, miss you, man. Hope to see you on your streams again soon. And shout out to everyone else that's in our Discord. Shiner, Star Lord, everyone else that's in there. You guys are awesome. Appreciate you. Thank you all for listening to this episode. We greatly appreciate everybody that listens. Uh, Andrew, do you have anything you'd like to say in closing? Hello. That's that's hello. hello. I actually I, heard I had to look that. that up, okay? <laughs> yeah. You did hear that? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Google Translate. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, absolutely. Tell us tell us what you think um, had the most impact on you. Tell us what your Mount Rushmore of games, what could be the founding fathers of your gaming life career? What had the most impact? What had the most lasting impact? What just hit you that one time that you're like, fuck, I'll never forget that? Or the biggest plot twist? But and yeah, yeah, to double down, sup, Chuck. Glad you were able to travel safely. Can't wait for those streams again. Yeah, man. So again, Discord will be in the link below, as will be uh, our Twitter and Instagram. You guys already know where to find us: VGL underscore podcast. And that's going to sign us off for this episode. We love you. We appreciate you. See ya. She likes to go pew pew. She likes to go pew pew.